This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome, everybody, to NFL Friday. It's the Week 16 edition, and things are starting to really show themselves in the NFL with the playoffs. We're rounding into the playoff picture. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a little Jets and Giants and even predict some of our awards, who we think is going to become the MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year type stuff. With me in the studio is Rafael Alia. Jackson Hiles here for Fantasy. Billy Reinhardt is calling in, so we welcome in Billy. And behind the glass, of course, is Emmanuel Barbari producing. So, guys, why don't we start off with a little New York football the Jets, uh, the Jets lost their quarterback and had to put in a new guy. They go into New Orleans and uh, they kind of get blown out. Raph, you're a Jets fan. What do you think? Bryce Petty's first start in a long time. Yeah, um, he's as expected, I think, and as advertised. Really, I don't think the Je- I think the Jets, for all their discredit, has one have one big credit, and that's they're really transparent, especially about their quarterback situation that you know exactly how they're performing in training camp. When Geno Smith was a Jets quarterback, you knew, yeah, he had talent in training camp and or, or in practice, and he just didn't come out on the field, and everyone was very transparent about that. Christian Hackenberg, you know he's probably never going to see the field as a Jets quarterback. They just don't have that kind of faith in him. This is the exact situation Bryce Petty would get into. This is what they said, that if Josh McCown gets injured, that would be the situation that Bryce Petty comes into. And he came in and his footwork was sloppy, and that's really when he got himself into trouble. He underthrew balls when he was kind of backing up into the pocket. When he sets his feet, he has a really good arm, really solid arm, but he was overthrowing guys left and right. All right, so Billy, we'll bring you in here. Bryce Petty went 19 for 39. He had 179 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. It wasn't a great day for him, but uh, I guess I guess what I'm wondering is how much of this game do you think was a reflection of New Orleans being a serious contender? versus Bryce Petty not being the answer for the Jets and sort of how stinky the Jets are? I think both are the case. I don't think Bryce Petty is the long-term answer for the Jets, but at the same time I wanted to bring up how the Saints are one of the best teams in the NFC this season, and the Superdome is maybe the hardest place to play. So a 31-19 loss isn't that bad under those circumstances if you're the Jets. That's a good point. It's really not a horrible loss, as the score would indicate. A loss is a loss, and a double-digit loss is a double-digit loss. And I think if you were watching the game, it moved a bit slower for the Jets than the score would indicate. So, I mean, you know, we kind of arrive back to the the question of who's going to become, for both of these New York teams, we'll be talking about this. Who will be the quarterback of the future for the Jets? I mean, you know, it's not an unrealistic option that you'd want to bring uh, McCown back after the year he had. He had such a decent year with the team and led them to things that places they didn't think they would go. I, I seem to remember a similar sentiment when a certain Ryan Fitzpatrick was at the helm. You know, <laughs> yeah, he had yeah, such they, a good so, year. Let's bring him back. No, so I mean, let's be honest. I think Jets fans are ready to stop putting band aids on things. I think they'd rather have a long term answer, a quarterback. For some reason, I keep bringing this up. Ralph, what do you think about Kirk Cousins next year? Now, I know. We we don't know what Washington thinks about him. Yeah. But what do you think about that? I've heard this for like I think the the latter half of the season has been the Kirk Cousins talk. I I think that as far as I, he's not a journeyman by any stretch, but as far as you have the tiers of quarterbacks, 
he's not a top tier quarterback, but he's he's better than a band aid. Uh can he be a long term option? I don't know. I think that he's better than a McCown or a Fitzpatrick or that kind of quarterback. I wouldn't mind seeing him. Of course I want to see the Jets draft the long term option that, you know, ends up breaking out and being a really good quarterback. I think that's what any fan wants. But if you're not going to draft that guy or if you're not going to start the guy that you draft next season, yeah, Kirk Cousins would be an, a great option depending on on what the Redskins are, are you know, where they're at with Kirk Cousins because I don't know if they would want to give up on him. Billy, what do you think the Jets do? Because they're 5-9. and nine. They're not going to have a top pick. They're not going to be able to get one of these guys that we're talking about for the Giants. And they probably, I mean, they, you know, they probably don't want McCown. So what, what do you think they're going to do? Well, I think McCown was just a Band-Aid for this season. Could they look to bring him back? Possibly, but I don't think they go into the season saying he has as long of a leash as he did this year. Bryce Petty, I just, as I've said, I do not think he's part of the future. Christian Hackenberg, who I've liked more than most people, he hasn't gotten a shot yet. I don't know. He hasn't looked great in practices all year from what you hear from people. But I've heard he's looked straight up bad. Yeah, I would maybe give him a shot on the last game season because you have to just at least put him out there so your fans can see what you've seen all year. So you don't, you but you don't think that that's like a bad situation to put a quarterback into, like in a in a game where you have to assume everyone on the team is given up. Like that's the kind of team. Well, that why he's why have don't to we just start command. talking about Davis Webb if we want to have this conversation? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, I, I just feel like, in my opinion, the Jets are going to have if Kirk Cousins isn't available for them they're going to have to draft a quarterback. And they're not going to be able to get Sam Donald or um, Josh Rosen, but maybe they can get Josh Allen, who I like a lot. I like him a lot, too. Maybe the greatest of any of these quarterbacks in the draft. It's interesting. Sorry, Billy. It's interesting that that Hackenberg was a second-round pick because I'm just sort of realizing that as as we go. That makes you feel like you want to see what you have in him a little bit. I mean, that's a – Davis Webb was a third-round pick, and I'm I'm saying, man, we spent a quarterback on a third round – they're talking about a second-round pick. That's pretty significant. You can't give up on a second-round pick without having played him in a game. So if the Jets go into next year with either Kirk Cousins or a new quarterback, Christian Hackenberg hasn't really gotten his shot. I and mean, you could say he hasn't proved it in practice, but he hasn't even gotten a game rep. So just at least, if you don't believe in him, you have to at least put him out there so the fans can see the same thing, see what you're seeing. All right, so let's, let's preview a little bit of Jets next week with our own beat reporter, Matt Murphy. He has a report for us, and after that, We'll talk about the Giants. So here's the Jets. The New York Jets were officially eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday. It's been a few weeks in the making for the now 5-9 and nine squad, but most would be surprised if you had told them before the season that it would take this long. A 31-19 road loss to the New Orleans Saints was the team's seventh loss in nine games, and this is now the seventh straight year that the Jets will miss the playoffs. Jamal Adams, Demario Davis, and the Jets' defense kept them in it at times against the Saints, but the offense couldn't take advantage behind quarterback Bryce Petty in his first start of the year. Petty finished 19 of 39 for 179 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. The Saints' offense ended up putting up some good numbers as most expected coming in, 412 total yards for the home team. Petty will be back under center here in Week 16 against the Los Angeles Chargers, and it's the final home game of the season for the Jets. The Chargers are coming off a difficult divisional loss to the Kansas City Chiefs last Saturday, but they still have a lot to play for when it comes to the playoff picture. Wide receiver Keenan Allen is expected to play, and expect Phillip Rivers to look his way a lot. 
I actually had this as one of Gang Green's few wins coming into the year, but things change and I just don't see the Josh McCownless Jets getting it done against a team fighting for its playoff life. My official prediction is a 27-17 Chargers win. It's off to Foxborough for the Jets and a meeting with the Pats in Week 17. Covering the... I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. So Matt brings up some good points there that the Jets are going to have to go against a Chargers team who absolutely just going to need every bit of help they can get, and that's going to start by getting a win. So I'm with him there. I think the Chargers will take that one. For now, why don't we switch over to the other New York team? That's the New York Giants. <laughs> We've got a bumper coming for that, though. There it is. You know, this is a team, you guys, Billy, we were just talking about it, who probably had their best, no, definitely had their best offensive performance in months. Uh, you know, you could almost want to say years. What was it about this Giants offense on Sunday that looked different, Billy? I think they're just getting the ball out quickly. That's the thing. That's been the key the last couple of seasons. Less predictability with the play calls, which Ben McAdoo had a really big problem with, and then just getting the ball out quickly. We know the Giants' offensive line is horrible, to say the least. Um, so getting the ball out quickly, allowing the playmakers to make plays, that's the way the Giants' offense has to run. I agree. I think they were getting the ball out quickly, and they looked, just generally speaking, a lot more free on Sunday. I don't know what could have inspired that feeling for especially Eli Manning. Well, maybe the record that they have and the fact that they're playing for nothing could inspire that feeling, but it really just seemed like they were playing with a weight off of their shoulders. Eli Manning was getting the ball out, and he actually, believe it or not, Eli Manning, would you believe this? Eli Manning had 252 yards in the first half of Sunday's game, and 252 yards would be the most he ever had in a single half. So Yeah, he was on pace. I remember seeing that he was, I mean, at that point he was obviously on pace for 500. Would have been only, I think, the second time in his career that would have, he would have gotten to that mark. A lot of that was, yeah, the pressure was off their shoulders. But also, I thought the, I thought the Philadelphia defense was very subpar. I don't want to call it a fluke game for the Giants, but I think it was a fluke game for the Giants. A fluke offensive performance. Because I thought the I thought the pass rush was very poor from Philadelphia, and they didn't cover for very long. So I, all in all, yeah, combined for Eli Manning getting to three touchdowns and over four hundred yards, but I, I didn't I I didn't think it was as fluid as and and their tackling was very poor. I mean, on that Sterling Shepard long touchdown, just the cornerbacks just missed about two tackles down the sideline. Also, could it have been? The Eagles are coming in to play the two-win Giants. I think the Giants have given up on the season. They're the number one seed in the East. A little complacent. Do they have a little bit of a hangover? I mean, all that comes into comes into effect. But at the same time, the Giants went out there. They played well. Ultimately, fell to the Eagles. But that's a good game to build on. No, definitely. I think um, I think there's always something to be said about a divisional matchup. You know, it's like when the Browns play the Steelers. Even the Browns could play them. Now that's a bad example because the Browns won't play anybody up. But you know, there's always something to be said about a divisional opponent. And the Giants were at home, and the Giants were simply just bound to have a better performance than they've had. Something that I thought was funny though is once it became obvious that the Giants were going to score some points that game, everyone was bringing up how they hadn't scored 30 under McAdoo at any point. The last time the Giants scored 30 points was the last game Tom Coughlin coached for the New York Giants. Then McAdoo came in, didn't reach 30 once. I think it's hilarious they got to 29 
and uh, couldn't snap it because so for the Giants special teams, a field goal was blocked, a kick was blocked, and a punt was blocked. So all three of the possible kicks that you could do, or no, yeah, a field goal, an extra point. And a, and a punt. So two kicks and a punt. Yeah, I mean, I guess, unless you count the safety punt as yeah, a different type of yeah. kick. Yeah, so, so, you know, the Giants just, you know, if you think the Giants, if you want to think that they're tanking, that could be a little evidence right there for a conspiracy theory. I don't know. But the Eagles, you guys, Nick Foles threw four touchdowns, but I don't think he played really amazingly, yet the stats were there. What do you guys think about this guy carrying the team into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I I. Th- I th- I'll say it now as I'll say it later when we get into the playoff picture and everything. I still think the Eagles are among my favorites, at least. I think Nick Foles is a viable backup. I think there are a lot of backups in the league who could not step into this situation and do well. I think the fact that Carson Wentz is still young and not that top tier saves this team because you look at the teams with the best quarterbacks, Tom Brady, the Aaron Rodgers, their backups, unless you count Garoppolo, who's now gone, are not as good because they can't play under that kind of talent. The fact that Carson Wentz is still young, you were left with Nick Foles, who I think is a viable backup. I think they still could perform. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Nick Foles is probably one of the better backup quarterback back options in the entire league. He's taken the Eagles to the playoffs himself just a couple of years ago. He was in, with the Chiefs as a solid backup for Alex Smith. So he's been there before. He can carry this team a little bit. At the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be enough to get them to the Super Bowl, as they could have with Carson Wentz, but he can get them – somewhat deep into the playoffs. And so as far as the Giants quarterback situation goes, I think we saw, I think this was a big day for Eli. I think, you know, he proved at least to ownership or whoever's watching out there in the league, everybody, I guess, that he can still do it. And he was slinging the ball around, uh, you know, threw for over 400 yards, really had his best day in a long time and looked good doing it. He overthrew a bunch of people, which Bob Papa and Carl Banks pointed out in the postgame show on, on WFUV that, you know, aging quarterbacks underthrow people. Uh, Eli was overthrowing a lot, but I think we saw, Billy, a lot of what this team could look like in the future. Sterling, with Odell Beckham wasn't even on the field, and you saw uh, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. My goodness, the guy is averaging like 70 yards a game uh, at the tight end position. That's like wide receiver numbers. He's going to be so good in the future. Did this game affect your guys' thinking about Eli Manning's future at all, whether that be with New York or whether that be with another team? Well, I think you've heard a little bit more this week. Everyone was thinking it was a foregone conclusion that the Giants would draft a quarterback at the top of this draft. I think you're hearing a little bit more this week that maybe the Giants will go another year with Eli Manning and slowly bring Davis Webb along once again because you heard Landon Collins and Dominique rogers Lamarty. They both came out saying that they think Davis Webb has a lot of Eli in him that he's going to be really good come the future. So you can't give up on him. He was a third-round pick last year, so it's a tough situation for the Giants. They're at the top of the draft. It's tantalizing to take a player like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, but Davis Webb has the support of ownership, the whole organization. They seem to think he's going to be a good quarterback come the future. And Eli Manning still an average quarterback, so we'll see what they do next year. <laughs> still an average quarterback. I like that. But, no, I mean, I think, Billy, you really bring up the – issue there for the Giants and what's just going to be so tough for them during the offseason you know you have an aging quarterback and you also have a top two top three draft spot it's just very hard to turn that option down it's very hard to turn that option down you don't know when the next time you're going to be in a position to take a quarterback is like that but at the same time 
it seems so frivolous just to, you know, bring a quarterback in the room who is going to confuse Davis Webb and confuse what the what they were trying to do earlier on. So it's just a big situation that's going to be very tough for the Giants. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I think it'll be very hard to pass on a quarterback. You, you have to draft a quarterback right? in this situation. I mean, We're looking at it now. What happens when Aaron Rodgers goes down, when, when he can no longer play? The Packers are going to be still in a position where they're winning up until Aaron Rodgers last season. They're not going to be able to draft his replacement. They're going to be left with nobody, and they can't win without Aaron Rodgers. Say, maybe not to that extent, but same thing with the Giants. When Eli Manning goes... Who's your quarterback? We're already seeing that now. If it, Davis Webb was the answer, Geno Smith doesn't get that start. And I, I know you give That's him a chance. That's the crazy you, thing, man. You let That's... him come along, but no, you, you're in a great situation now where you have a quarterback that could win next season and you have a team that could win next season and you could still draft a top-tiered quarterback. That's, that's ridiculous. You, you take that. Look, I'm what, must... I must... What I think the Giants are going to do, the new GM that comes along, the new coach, they'll internally analyze who they have, Davis Webb. Obviously, it's tough because they have new people coming in. They haven't seen Davis Webb progress throughout the whole season, but they'll get a read on him a little bit. But I think they're individually going to evaluate each quarterback in this draft. So Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, I think will be the two they'll be looking at. They're going to evaluate them and say, is this guy a can't-miss prospect? Are we this high on this guy thinking he's going to be a star quarterback in this league? If that's the answer, even if you're comfortable with Davis Webb, you take that quarterback because great quarterbacks are a dime a dozen in the NFL. So I think they're going to analyze it that way. If they come across someone that they love that much, they'll take them. But I don't think they're just going to take a quarterback for the sake of taking one. So, so, and this this is this doesn't even this question goes beyond just the Giants franchise. Do you guys think that if the Giants don't truly fall in love with one, they won't pick him, or is there that is there that logic of you know we're not absolutely in love with any one of these guys? But we're gonna take him just because, again, that's where we're sitting in the draft, and it just is the prudent move. Well, you know, what do you think about that? I think they're gonna take the best player available. If they're extremely high on a quarterback, they'll take the quarterback. If not, I think they're comfortable. I mean, it's tough to talk about because you don't have the GM and coach in place. But I'm assuming they would be comfortable with the quarterbacks in the room if they if they don't think they're the best player available in the draft. I agree with Billy. I think that's what they will do. I'm, uh, again, I'm a big proponent of I'm taking the quarterback no matter what. I think it's just proven historically to do too much good. Same, th- it's, what, it's what the Packers did when they got Brett Favre. You know, they just drafted, drafted, drafted the quarterback, even if they weren't high on him. And you fall, you know, you get lucky. Eventually, you'll get lucky, and you have to believe that. But, yeah, I agree with Billy. I think that's what the Giants are going to do. I think that's what their front office is built for. It's going to be a very interesting offseason for both these New York teams, especially the Giants, who just haven't been in this position for a while. But for now, Jackson Hiles got some fantasy word for us. What do you got, Jackson? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. All right, I'm going to start this one with two really feel-good stories of 2017. First would be Alex Collins, former fifth-round pick in 2016 by the Seattle Seahawks, was cut after last season and signed with the Ravens practice squad just before the start of this season. Now he's on pace for an 1,000-yard season on the ground. He has three touchdowns in his last three weeks, and despite struggling last week in Cleveland, he gets an Indianapolis Colts defense at home that just got burnt by C.J. Anderson and the struggling Broncos offense. Expect another big week from the former Arkansas tailback. And if Collins isn't the feel-good story of 2017, it's certainly Adam Thielen. He's gone from a guy who got a $500 scholarship in Minnesota State and went undrafted 
to a top five receiver in the NFL. He and Stefan Diggs have complemented each other perfectly this season, and they should have another big day this weekend. With Case Keenum's MVP campaign moving into Green Bay on Saturday night, Keenum will be looking to find his favorite target a ton against a porous Packers secondary. And now Pats fans might want to close their ears for this, but Jimmy Garoppolo was quietly 3-0 in San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan in that offense after taking down the Titans last week. He's gotten better in every game he's played this season after airing it out for 381 yards and a score last week, and I expect him to do that again this week. It will be his toughest test yet against a historic Jags secondary led by Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. But Jimmy Franchise has shown he's up to the task and will shine against the AFC South champs. Good stuff from you, as always, Jackson. I'll keep that stuff in mind, even though I am eliminated. <laughs> it's very unfortunate, but... But man, I mean, Adam Thielen, that, that is a feel-good story. That is just incredible. Not a name I thought I'd say as much and, this season. And, you know, we saw it happening a bit last season, and he was arising slowly, and I was like, nah, nah, nah. But really, this year, I mean, there's just no arguing with it, and it's just wild. He's top five receiver, man, the way you put it. But now let's talk about a little playoff picture, because it's really starting to come into play, as I was trying to say on the top of the show, but... I think what we should start talking about, guys, you, right now is the trouncing of the Seahawks that was done by the Rams in Seattle. I thought that was probably the most significant and telling game of the week for me. I mean, just craziness. Okay, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it the was... Seahawks, 40-something to... I don't even know if they got a touchdown to the Seahawks. It was, it was insane because... Again, supposed to be a really good matchup, you know? And it, it, that, that, don't get me wrong, it was a good matchup. But the game just didn't feel like... you would have If you would have looked at it from the outside in, you would have been like, okay, this is obviously a top-tier team taking on a team that has no playoff aspirations. These are two playoff teams. Playoff teams sitting there when they came into the game and are still in that situation today. So... And, and it was absolutely, we talked about it beforehand, a statement win, and the Rams have gotten a lot of them. That one was huge because this is coming towards a stretch where now people are talking about the playoffs. Now people are talking about, well, how are the Rams going to face now when they get into the situation where they need to beat top-tier teams? They took on a top-tier team, maybe not the top tier, but a playoff te- a play- a team they're going to have to face early on in the playoffs, and they look like they had no trouble with them. Here's the thing. Sorry to interrupt you. I thought it was interesting that the Seahawks, out of all these sort of, you know, there's some teams in the NFC that are new. The Rams come to mind. The Case Keenum-led Vikings. Teams that haven't really been here before. The Eagles, but look really good. And the Seahawks kind of stood there as this old guard in the NFC. A lot of their, pretty much all their guys have been there before winning Super Bowls. And the Rams, the newest of the new Go into Seattle, the toughest place to play for you know, couple a few years now at least, uh, and they beat them forty-two to seven. That was sort of a, you know, official changing of the old guard from the new guard. I mean, from Seattle's perspective, this is a devastating loss. Not only, I mean, do they get trounced by a division opponent, but they're on the outside looking in in the playoffs right now. They're eight and six, tied with Detroit and Dallas, behind Atlanta at nine and five. Um, 
if they won that game, they would have been tied with the Rams for the top spot in the NFC West. Now the division's out of reach with two games to go, basically, and um, they're two games back. So the Seahawks may not make the playoffs now. And to this point, as you mentioned, with all these new faces, Case Keenum, um, Jared Goff, young player, the Eagles now Carson Wentz out, I thought the Seahawks would be the team. That I was thinking picking them for the Super Bowl because they're the team you trust, they're the team that's been there. Exactly. They can get it done. Now it looks like they won't even make the playoffs. I'll get into it later, who I think who represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. But um, this is a devastating loss to the Seahawks and probably the end of their reign. So I want to switch it up a little bit. I'm just looking at last week's slate, a lot of elimination games and, and just generally interesting games. But a team that's trending extremely downwards is the Titans. And uh, the reason I bring them up is because they lost 23-25 to against the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is leading the 49ers out of that number two pick, officially giving it to the Giants. Thank you, Jimmy G. But, uh, I mean, what do you guys think of Garoppolo so far in his first few games? He's gone out there and he's won a couple, uh, his first two. So, you know, we, we, we've been wondering about this guy behind Tom Brady for a long time. What, what are you guys seeing? Well, he's good. Um, he's, what, he's what I expected from a guy that was brought underneath Tom Brady, coached by Bill Belichick, under that system for as long as he was. They trusted him. If Hey, listen, if Brady didn't have the shelf life that Brady has, I think they would have trusted him with the ball. And for a Bill Belichick offense, that, that says something about your guy anyway. So the fact, and they were they were reluctant to get rid of him. You know, that well, wasn't something they wanted. It was an opportunity that was pre- that presented itself, and that had to happen. So, for the, for me to see that, I have to assume he was a good talent. And yeah, he went out there, and he's going out there, and he's not turned the team around. You can't turn around a team that was in that deep of a hole as the 49ers. But to make their games watchable this latter part of the season, that's an incredible accomplishment. And it gives you a little bit of, an, of a glimpse into, I mean, we, excuse me, we had a little bit of a glimpse into what Garoppolo could do in his short stint playing for the Patriots just a couple years ago when Brady was suspended. And he looked good then. This is more of the same. But it just shows you how big of an impact a quarterback could have on a team. I mean, the 49ers have won three straight, and really the only difference is Jimmy Garoppolo's been playing. So, I mean, they're going to be an exciting team to watch grow next season. I think they finally have a coach and a general manager in place that will take them forward. And it's always good to see the – the big-time franchises like San Francisco playing well. And another game I thought had an interesting result, the Jaguars beat the Texans 45-7. to Now, I know the Texans aren't such a great team anymore with Deshaun Watson being out, but I do believe they have a strong defense. And everyone knows Jacksonville is a strong defense, but we're not really sure that Jacksonville has a strong offense. Now, Blake Bortles has been hot in December. He hasn't thrown a single interception He's only thrown touchdowns this whole month, and he put up 45 uh, against a Texans defense that, by all accounts, is a pretty good one. So, guys, how dangerous is this Jacksonville Jaguars team going to be in the AFC going going on? Extremely dangerous. Defense wins championships. They have one of the best, and we were talking about it beforehand. Matchup-wise, they go up against any team. Defensively, they're going to win it. It's just a matter of can their offense keep pace with their defense. Their defense is going to keep them in any game. I, I believe that. Any game that they play, against, take it from the Patriots or anybody, I think their defense will keep them in it. But can their offense withstand that? And it's really those late pushes, late fourth quarter. Can Blake Bortles be the guy that drives you down the field when you only have one more possession? I don't know that he's that guy. I think they're dangerous. I don't think they're that dangerous. 
If you look at Jacksonville, I think, with the exception of quarterback, if you look around the league, they have the most talented roster in the league. They can go to, go against the Patriots if you look at it like that. Quarterback would hold them back. I've always been a pretty big fan of Blake Bortles, and as you mentioned, he's getting hot late in the season. A little reminiscent of Eli Manning. You know, Tom Coughlin's down there in Jacksonville now. They're led by their defense. A young quarterback, a gunslinger type like Blake Bortles. They run the ball hard with Fournette. Giants used to do that with Brandon Jacobs and so on. I don't know. There's a little bit of a similarity there. They may have to run into the Patriots. We know how Tom Coughlin is with that. So, I don't know. Jaguars have a shot. Billy, I'm with you there, man. The Jaguars have just such a talented roster. Raph, you said that, you know, on paper they're going to match up defensively with anybody, and that's just such a scary thought because it's true. I mean, I don't know how many times you've had a unit. Well, I guess the Pats with Gronk, you know, is always going to be a mismatch, but... I mean, the Jags have done such a good job of filling out their defense, at least on paper, that going into the game on paper with A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey shutting down the two wide receivers, you're already at a matchup advantage. And then, you know, their front seven is really good. So I'm just worried about Jacksonville on any given Sunday. Uh, more to talk about with the playoffs. So I guess we'll just keep the conversation rolling of the end of the year. We're going to predict some awards, but also just keep talking about the playoffs in general. But... Let's do another fantasy update. It's going to be the duds section. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. I'm going to stay local to start and go with really any receiver in the Jets offense because for anyone who watched the Jets go to work last week in New Orleans, they could attest to how ugly it was. Despite the Jets' defense causing three turnovers, Bryce Petty and company are only able to put up a measly 19 points, with the majority of the production coming through Bilal Powell and Elijah McGuire on the ground. The passing game simply isn't the same without Josh McCowan, meaning guys like Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Kearse will struggle to make big plays in the passing game. The next one I'll go to is Jordan Howard, and honestly, I didn't think I'd advocate benching someone going up against the winless Browns this season, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Howard has had a solid season, amassing over 1,000 yards on the ground while averaging 4.4 yards per carry. The last three weeks, however, have been troublesome for the second year back, as he has eclipsed only above 40 yards just once in that time frame. The Browns' defense has allowed just just over 3 yards per carry this season, and that shouldn't change this week with the Bears in town. Marcus Mariota is my third guy, and it's been a really weird year for him in the Titans' offense. The Oregon product has made a lot of strides in the run game, but the aerial attack has tumbled tremendously in Tennessee. Mariota has told 14 interceptions with just 12 touchdowns to go with it, and he's had north of 265 passing yards just once in his last eight games. The Titans host a Rams defense that has been dynamite all year and will force Mariota to throw from the pocket more than he's accustomed to. I would advise against placing him in your fantasy lineup this week. Jackson always throwing in a De Bears line somewhere in there. Gotta love it. I feel like you have to. Jordan Howard, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. He's a guy who he's gonna get volume, so can you bench someone who's gonna yeah, you get don't so think much this volume? Is gonna be like a bounce he's gonna try to make this a bounce back game. I mean the Browns defense to be fair, I mean, in the run game, I mean they've defended everyone pretty well. I just remember watching them the Jets try to go to work in them and they were stifled. And then last week Alex Collins who I mentioned could be a stud this week, only had 19 yards against them, so I feel like that could be a tough matchup for Howard. Fair. All right, so guys, moving on to this week, we were just looking at some of last week's result. 
Now moving on to this week, just looking at some of the games, what stands out to me immediately is the Falcons versus the Saints in an NFC South matchup. The Falcons are 9-5. and five. The Saints are 10-4. and four. So you guys, the, the division is still up for grabs. The Panthers are 10-4. and four. The Panthers are playing the Bucks. So the Panthers probably get a win. They probably move to 11-4. and four. Uh, And then you have the Saints and the Falcons uh, playing each other. It, it's a very interesting situation in the NFC South. I want to get your take on who finishes first in that division of those three teams. I think there's a talent disparity. Uh, go, go ahead, Billy. Uh, the St. Falcons is the best game of the week. That's going to be unbelievable. High-scoring game probably down in that dome. Um, as you mentioned, Panthers probably will get a win this week. St. Falcons is really anyone's guess. I would lean towards the Saints being at their home. I think the Panthers ultimately come away with the division title. Um, but yeah, it's anyone's guess at this point. Those three teams are all really good and all bunched up. I think there's a talent disparity. I, the disparity. I think the the Saints are by far the best team of those three. Um, I they're just they're just super talented, and I again I feel like they match up well against any team, and I I agree that I think this I think the Superdome is super hard to play. We were talking about that. Um, yeah, I think I mean they obviously have the two best. Uh, they have might they might have the two best running backs or among the two best running backs in the league, and they and they pay, play. For the one team, which you never see, I think it's such a unique circumstance that I really think when you cut, especially when you get to the later part of the season, when guys are trying to not only decide who they're matching up with one one week, they're trying to think in advance a little bit, and I think it's so hard going in there game planning for a dual running back threat. That's an interesting take, Raph. I mean, I definitely appreciate the talent disparity because. It's an it's a hot take because the Falcons are undoubtedly a talented offensive unit at least on paper. They've regressed a lot performance-wise this year, but they they also have the dual threat back. It's it's not as potent as the one in New Orleans right now, 100%, and there's probably no more electric player in the entire league than Alvin Kamara in the past month or so, but you do have the dual-headed threat in Atlanta with Coleman and Freeman. You do have Julio Jones, probably the most explosive player in the league, and you do have a great compliment in Mohamed Sanu. And even Taylor Gabriel and, you know, an MVP caliber quarterback potentially in Matt Ryan. So I'm more of the of the thought that this will just be a very interesting game because I almost feel like it's a 50-50. Now you pointed out, Billy, it's in the dome. But these two teams are just so similar in that they have potent offenses with, you know, pretty decent defenses that are going to fluctuate in performance. So, you know, it's almost like this division is almost just coming down to a matchup that, man, I can't even predict. I'm going to have a really hard time. So I guess I want to ask you guys, do you believe three teams ultimately make it from this NFC South division? Because as it stands, Panthers, Saints, and Falcons, they're all in right now. They're all going to make it. The the If the uh, Falcons lose and go to 9-6, and six, the so Lions... The Falcons, so that's tough. So, I don't know if the Panthers go full strength, but... Just trying to articulate this situation. The team to watch, if, I'm asking you guys if you think all three teams from the South are going to make it. Who's creeping up on the last team from the South? It'd be the Lions and the Seahawks, but the Lions are a step above the Seahawks. So they're 8-6. and six. They're playing the Bengals. If they win, both of those teams could have the same record. It, it's a, it's a tough situation. Do you think do you think the Lions sneak in? Do you think do you think the Seahawks sneak in? I mean, it's it's a lot easier to say the Seahawks sneak in just in general. 
they had a bad that was a bad loss. I think it's a loss that not only hurts that game, I think it hurts the rest of their season. Um the Lions have played well in games. Like they played really well, showed a lot more talent than I thought they had this year, honestly. I'd like to see the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. I think they're the three most talented to go ahead. But again, I think I don't share your guys' uh, enthusiasm for the Falcons team this week. I think they get blown out by the Saints, and a nine and six record is not gonna. You know, th- then you kind of worry that they're not gonna make it in there. And then, yeah, I think I think I rest easier if I pick the Seahawks, but I think the Lions sneak in. Go ahead, Billy. <laughs> You guys are also forgetting about the Cowboys. They're eight and six. A big matchup this week. I mean, you got the and with Seahawks Ezekiel Elliott returning, yeah, you have the Seahawks and the Cowboys this week. So, I mean, the winner of that game has a really good shot of making the playoffs. The Seahawks would play the Cardinals in Week Seventeen, and the Cowboys would play the Carson Wentzless Eagles. So, um, don't rule either of those teams out. The Lions have an easier shot because they got the Bengals, and then I believe the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so. Um, I don't know. It's really tough to say right now. And then you have to look at the tiebreakers, head-to-head matchups, all that stuff. So I'm not sure how all that would work out at this point. But yeah. definitely going to be interesting if the Falcons win this week. And then with the Panthers Week 17, you don't know if they ref Cam Newton. So there's a lot of variables that go into play. It, it is difficult to predict. And, and I don't want to skip over the AFC. Uh, but, you know, the Bills, 8-6 and six right there with the Ravens, right there with the Chargers, similar situations. Uh you know, things like tiebreakers and, and head-to-heads are going to end up influencing things. So uh, we could talk about it for days, but I think we're just going to have to move on. And, and I want to ask you guys, because it's coming out to the end of the season and there will still be some critical performances that will dictate this, but we're starting to think about the MVP of the season. And Carson Wentz, quarterback of the Eagles, was obviously a hot name for that. Now that he's off the list, which names stand out to you guys as potential MVPs for this year? The one and only Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Tom Brady is right there. He's first and foremost, I would say, Tom Brady is is really potentially leading. In his lap. With Carson Wentz, the the MVP is in his lap. It's in his lap. It's in his lap. I I, I feel like we're watching a rerun here with the NFL this year. I mean, all the teams just depleted injury-wise. The Patriots are still somewhat decent. Tom Brady's just killing people still. The Patriots are 11-3. It seems like 20 years straight of going 11-3. It's unbelievable how this team keeps running. Tom Brady's the MVP. Yeah, I thought it was Wentz's to lose to Tom Brady. And not that, again, you hate to see that being the situation where Wentz loses it. I thought it would be more of a, you know, you had a couple bad games, maybe get complacent toward the end of the year while the Patriots had a little more to fight for, maybe. But no, yeah, at this point, it's Tom Brady's to lose. And I don't see how you how he loses it. Um I mean, I, I don't see Case Keenum being in the. I don't know. You have a look on your face, Tommy, that no, looks like I'm, you're going to throw a curveball here. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about Tom Brady and, and just the, you know, the whole Pittsburgh New England game, how that ended. We haven't talked about that yet. I don't. Let's not go into the whole catch thing, but just how crazy of a game that was, and the fact that the Patriots and Tom Brady came out with it. I mean, I just—they're always involved in games like this. Steelers fans must just be livid because that's those are the two titans of the AFC. This matchup had been being talked about for about four weeks going into this game. Everyone knew it was going to be a fight for the number one seed in the AFC, and Mm -hmm. Tom Brady and the Patriots—you know—they just find a way to do it this time in the most brutal fashion. When they did that, and when they (laughs) drove down the field with just Gronk, 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 and made it look so easy, I, I said, "Oh my God." The Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
and Tom Brady is going to get his well, sixth, maybe not the Super Bowl, the game. sixth <laughs> ring, and he's going to become the unquestioned best quarterback of all time. Oh, it's it's, it's going to be very – I mean, guys, really, if Tom Brady wins a sixth <laughs> ring, we're going to be able to say while he's still playing probably that he's the best quarterback of all time. I think we've already gotten to that point. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there, I, I don't think there would be the detractors. I think that's what Tommy's talking about. I think no, that yeah. it would be like literally, what, no, no. he'd be, he'd be that's like what playing. I'm saying. He'd be in the you're, pocket, you're and when you're going to tackle him, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm tackling the best player that's ever played no, the game. No, there are the, that's, there that's are the few detractors. There are the He said when the Giants played them in the Super Bowl, this is how many years ago now? Ten years ago, he was saying, wow, I just sacked Tom Brady. This is the Patriots. They don't seem that good. No. I mean, I think that's... I think he's been that way in the NFL for a long time now, and I think with his last one, he became the best quarterback of all time. I don't even think it's arguable. I mean, you're always going to have Peyton Manning lovers who are never going to want to believe that and argue that Peyton Manning's better, but I, I think Tom Brady's been the best quarterback of all time. For I mean, look, now. look, this is what I'm saying. We got Emmanuel Barbari shaking his head over the glass. There's always going to be the few detractors, and, and if you still detracted after the comeback in the Super Bowl in his what 39th year of age that's fine I'm still you're it's okay to detract but if he wins a sixth ring the year after after losing Edelman and with not so good of a defense it's just gonna be scary it's just gonna be scary so we're all in I don't know how we got to this point, but yeah. we're, all, we're all in on Brady winning the MVP. You know how we got to this point? We got to this point because of that game, which is so quintessential Brady, when you could be out with one minute left on the clock, and, you know, I'm putting all my chips on Brady just driving down the field. You don't want to give them a possession. No. And and when they have Gronk, we were talking about ultimate mis- mismatches before the show. Or oh, no, during the show. The Jacksonville. Mismatch. Jacksonville is a mismatch every time defensively, but on the other side, Gronk is a mismatch. Mismatch. Every time, offensively. Oh, so I they just I go into for, every game with a mismatch. If they play in the playoffs, Jacksonville against New England, we'll get to see Miles Jack against Rob Gronkowski. We were oh, talking right. about that before. Like yeah. you put your top, one of your top corners or your or your top linebacker on, or whoever you need to cover Gronk, because we've seen it before. We've seen guy put their best cornerback. Yeah. I think on it would be Jalen Ramsey on Gronk. The size and the speed is there, so. I think let's end the show on that because that is just a tantalizing prospect, <laughs> a Jags Pats AFC Championship. But guys, it was it was a good conversation. We're gonna do picks to wrap it up as we always do. But before that, we have one more fantasy section, and that is the sleeper section for your probably uh, uh, championship week of fantasy. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Dreams of a shootout in San Francisco will come true on Sunday, and that means Blake Bortles could be a sneaky start this week. I'll be honest, I haven't been on the Bortles train for the majority of his career, but he's had some massive performances this year, whether it be back in the beginning of the season against the Baltimore Ravens, and including last week's three-touchdown performance against a strong Houston defense. He matches up perfectly against a 49ers defense that has allowed the fourth-most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. Bortles is a good ad this week, as he's only owned in 64% of fantasy leagues. The Chargers' passing game has been much better in recent weeks, and although much of the production has come from the one and only Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams may be the guy who steals the show this week. Williams saw a season-high seven targets last week, and the week prior, he went for a, a season-high 132 yards and a score. With Allen likely seeing Morris Claymore and a ton of double coverage this week, Williams will get matched up one-on-one with Buster Screen, who has been vulnerable to the deep ball all season long. Williams is only owned in 38% of leagues, 
and his big playability makes him a worthwhile ad. Jonathan Stewart is probably the riskiest of the three sleepers this week, but he's definitely worth considering for the fantasy finals. He was a dud last week with just 27 yards on 11 carries against Green Bay, but he accounted for five touchdowns in the previous three weeks. This week he should see 10 to 15 touches and his usual goal line duty against a Tampa Bay defense that has failed to contain the run this season. He is available in 47% of fantasy leagues and is certainly a good candidate to find the end zone on Sunday. Thank you, Jackson, for the fantasy advice all day. But now, now it is one of our favorite times of the show where we're going to predict the week of games, and we're going to bring in our producer today, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, yes, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. All right, he's joining us, so we'll get him in. We'll go around the room. Billy, let's get you first because you're on the phone. All right, so the first game of the week is on Saturday. It's the Colts versus the Ravens. I'm going with Baltimore. He's going to raise it. He's the playoff line. They're going to one over the lowly Colts. Colts versus Ravens. Got to pick the Ravens. Piggyback on what Billy said. All right, Emmanuel's skipping out. Emmanuel's skipping out. I mean, the Colts are really, really, really bad, so I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. I'm going to have to take the Ravens as well, by the way. It's at home for the Ravens, so good decision, all of you. The next game, also on Saturday, Minnesota at Green Bay. I'm Billy. going with the future NFC Minnesota Vikings, Aaron Rodgers, Packers. Aaron Rodgers left Packers. Yeah, this Packers team, completely different Packers team. I feel like you need to take away the S and just call it the Packer when Aaron Rodgers is just not in play. Vikings win it. That's an interesting little thing there, Raph. Yeah, maybe I should have said the A. Go ahead. (laughs) I'm so high on Case Keenum, as I've mentioned multiple times on this show, and he is my MVP right now, so I'm taking the Vikings. The uh, pack your bags, Packers, you're going to lose without Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) I'm going to take the Vikings as well. On Sunday now, we have the Falcons. It's the game of the week right here. We have the Falcons in the Dome versus the Saints. I said a little bit earlier, I think it's a toss-up. I'm going to go with the Saints there at home. They'll beat the Falcons. Going to go off of that, too. Don't think the Falcons have the talent for it. Think the Saints really do have the talent for it. They win it. Yeah, the Saints impressed me. It didn't impress me all that much last week, and I think the Falcons are going to be playing with some serious motivation. I like Matt Ryan and the Saints. Man, this is a seriously hard game to pick. I'm going to have to take ATL. I'm just going to I'm just gonna go out in a whim and say it. By the way, I said Matt Ryan and the Saints, I think. Matt uh, Ryan and the Falcons, I meant to say. <laughs> Good catch, <laughs> All right, L.A. Chargers at MetLife against the Jets. Chargers in the playoff line? I'm going with the Chargers. Yeah, same thing here. Chargers in the playoff line. They have something to play for. What do the Jets have to play for? Bryce Petty. I'm going to catch the early sweep. I know what you're picking, Jackson. It better be the Chargers. Yeah, it's the Chargers. Okay, we're all on the Chargers. It's the sweep. It's the sweep. I try to catch them when I can. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Carolina. I'm going with Carolina. The Buccaneers, a little disappointing this season. You thought they'd be better than they have been, but Panthers are at home looking to wrap up the division. Are any of you guys going to pick the Bucs? No. No, we're all on board with the Panthers, baby. Yeah. Two straight sweeps. All on board with the Panthers at home. Detroit Lions at Cincinnati Bengals. Keep in mind, Detroit is playing for something. So I ask you, does anyone want to take the Bengals? Nope. 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 All right. That's three straight. (laughs) That's all. It's a new record. Let's keep going. (laughs) Let's just do it for every game. Detroit Lions, we all have them. Miami Dolphins at the Chiefs. Now, the Dolphins played up to the Pats a week ago, so this I'll, I'll let us pick this one. 
Yeah, the Chiefs, they haven't been great this year. They're still in the playoff in the playoffs to start today. Arrowhead's one of the toughest places to play in the league. The Chiefs are going to win this one. Here we go, man. The Miami Dolphins have the weapons to take this game. The Chiefs have proven that they blow games like this. Going with the Fins. See, I'm the opposite here. I feel like the, this is like the ultimate time for the M Dolphins to let let everybody down after being the Pats. So I think the Chiefs win this one in a blowout. I respect the pick, Raph, but I'm going to have <laughs> to go with the Chiefs. I'll be the lone wolf. I'm going to have to do it. All right, Cleveland Browns at Chicago Bears. Call all your friends tonight. <laughs> no. game that the Browns win. The Say Browns it isn't so. The Browns are going to win a game this season. They're not going 0-16. They're beating the Bears, the Bears in Chicago this week. Mark it down. All right, tell your friends something else, something that won't get you slapped. All right, the Browns are going to go 0 and 16. They're going to lose this game. You know what? I'm with Billy on this one. I mean, I just, I just, I'm not a huge fan of the Bears. I, I, I picked them in the past, but I feel like this is the week the Browns finally win a game. I'm a huge fan of the Bears. I'm going to be picking the Bears. This How week. am I alone on this? I'm picking <laughs> no, against the Bears. Bears. Oh, you? No, pick I'm picking the Bears. I'm a huge fan of the Bears. It's, okay, it's good, me and Billy versus Tommy here. I got nervous there. For Jackson a knows I've been picking the Bears all season. Yeah. All right, Denver Broncos <laughs> at Washington Redskins. Broncos at Redskins. I'm going with the Redskins. Two teams that really have nothing to play for, but I'll take the Redskins at home. Yeah, bad game. Going with the Redskins. Broncos have won two in a row and are starting to find their stride. Even though they're out of it, I'll take Denver. Yeah, really bad game here, but I'm going for the Redskins as well. L.A. Chargers at Tennessee Titans. How much do the Chargers? Oh, wait, sorry, wait, wait, L.A. Rams. Wrong. L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams. Rams the Titans. Oh this my! Is a fun game. Oh I mean, my! Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, Tennessee Titans haven't been playing that well lately. The two young quarterbacks going to the playoffs. I'm going to take the Titans. Rams a little bit of a letdown after the Seahawks came L.A. Rams, super talented team. They get my vote. Yeah, the Titans have not impressed me of late. Marcus Mariota is really taking a step back this year from a passing perspective. I'll take the Rams. Billy, I respect the pick, but I'm going to have to take the Rams as well. All right, Buffalo Bills at New England Patriots. I mean, we don't even have to pick this. We're going Patriots all around, right? e yeah. I'm going with Buffalo, I think, actually. I think I'm going to go with oh, Buffalo. Patriots are locked in. Buffalo's playing for something. All right, you're alone. For okay, me. I'm yeah. alone. All right, I, I respect that. <laughs> I'm alone with Buffalo. Jacksonville Jaguars versus the 49ers at San Francisco. Jaguars, 49ers. I mean, this one's pretty easy. I'm going to go with the Jaguars, although Garoppolo will make it a game at the end. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, it is easy. Uh, I think Garoppolo is going to make it a watchable game, but I'm going with the Jags. I'm taking Jimmy Franchise and the 49ers. Just feel like I need to change things up. And like I said, Garoppolo 3-0 with the Niners, so I'll take my chances. It will be very interesting to see Garoppolo face his first significant test, and this will be that. But I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. All right, Seattle Seahawks at Cowboys. Seahawks at Cowboys is a great game. Ezekiel Elliott is back. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. They're going to win that one in Dallas. Seattle coming off of that really demoralizing loss. Cowboys now getting Ezekiel Elliott. They're so much different when they have Elliott. I'm going with the Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys got thrown a lifeline at the end with that Derek Carr touchback on Sunday night last week, and they get Elliott back like you guys mentioned. I think the Cowboys win this one. I think this is the game where we find out if Pete Carroll is going to, you know, definitely not be back next year. If the Seahawks lose this one, I think that you can see some changes there in Seattle. I'm going with the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott. 
Seahawks falling off. Giants at Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals going to take this one down in the desert. Giants won't get nothing to play for. I can't see them winning a, a game like this in a tough road environment. I can't see them winning a game like this either, so I'm going to pick the Giants because they do things sometimes I just don't expect. I think Eli Manning has a lot to play for himself. I think he leads the Giants on this one. Cardinals have been good at home this year. I'll take Arizona. Yeah, you know, I've been waiting for the Giants to get on a bit of a run this year, and I think the way the offense looked last week, if there's ever a time for two consecutive wins, it's now. I'm going with the Giants. Two consecutive wins? They lost last week. Oh my gosh, that's you know what? That shows that's you where win, I'm that's at. A win this season. It was a win for me. That it was a moral up. victory. That's what he means. <laughs> Eli was playing well. All right. Oh my gosh, I might have to change my pick because of that mistake. No, I'll take the Giants. All right. Pittsburgh Steelers at Texans. Uh, uh Texans have good defense on the road Monday night, but I'm going to take the Steelers bouncing back after the tough loss last week. The Steelers' offense matches up against the best of defenses, including Jacksonville. I'm going with the Pittsburgh. Yeah, Houston's really, really horrible without Deshaun Watson, and they've shown that over the past week since he went down. I'll take Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm with Pittsburgh as well. Roll them through. All right, Oakland Raiders at Philadelphia Eagles, the last Monday night game of the year on Christmas. This is a, this is a really, really, really tough game. The Raiders traveling all the way across the United States to go to Philadelphia. Monday night, Eagles are really good, but there's no Carson Wentz. Mm, I, I'm going to go with the Eagles. I'm not going to circle around all that as well. I'm going to say the Eagles are the best team on paper, and i got to believe that's going to come you know, to fruition sometimes, you know. Eagles. Yeah, Philadelphia is the best team in football right now. Even without Carson Wentz, I'll take them. No. All right. Yes. I'm taking the Eagles I, I, as well. I, 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 should, I should retract that. I meant to say best in the NFC. I completely Even forgot about that guy, Tom Brady, in New England. Still might be the best team. Minnesota's bandwagon. They're going to the Super Bowl. All right. Well, it'll be an interesting finish. And, again, those games are on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So a happy holidays to all. That's all we have for this week's edition of the show. I'm Tommy Aldridge. Joined, I was joined by Billy Reinhart and Raphael Alia, Jackson Heil, and Emmanuel Barberi behind the glass. So thank you, guys. And we'll see you next week, week 17 edition.